Welcome to the journey to the center of cinema, where we try to get to the center of movies and TV. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ben. Today, we're going to take a journey with a 2017 superhero film that puts the EU in DCEU, Justice League. Now, it's, it shouldn't come as any surprise that neither Tristan nor I liked this movie. Nope. Not but really. We, we gave it the benefit of the doubt. I had never seen it until this week because I frankly refused to. Um, Tristan saw it once for free mm-hmm. and then revisited it just to give it every chance that it had to be good in our eyes. And well, it wasn't. I will say that it did benefit from a theater viewing experience. That said, going back, I think I may have given it too much credit the first time around. Um, but we are going to start. We gave it our due diligence. Um, we, there were elements of the movie that we liked, and we are going to start with those because just because the movie wasn't good doesn't mean there weren't aspects of it that it, it was a movie that was worth being made. And well, I'm not going to say it was worth being seen, but we saw it anyway. So we're going to okay. talk about what was good about it. Yeah. Um, I can start. Um, ben Affleck as Batman was great. I think this is my favorite turn he's had as Batman. And returning to it, I'm kind of disappointed that as far as we know, he's done. Flash. Oh yeah, he's in Flash. He will be okay, in Flash. well then I think that he's coming back because he was great in this. And I think older experienced rough around the edges Batman is a concept that doesn't get enough attention outside of like Frank Miller comics, so. Yeah, he was great in this. Yeah, and I think Batman had some of the best action scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the opening scene was really great mm-hmm. with him in it. And then he just, he had good moments overall along the movie. Probably my favorite moment in the whole movie was when he's explaining to Flash what it means to be a hero and telling him that you just need to save one person. And, you know, Flash is like, well, which one? And he said, it doesn't matter. You go in, you save somebody, and then you'll understand. And it, it wasn't necessarily something that you would expect from Batman, but it, I think it shows the older character take that they were going with. You know, he's not this green Batman that we've seen so many times throughout the years. He's established, and he's more towards the end of his career mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to inspire the next generation of heroes. Yeah, so Ben Affleck as Batman, thumbs up. I also, again, I think Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman is a good choice. She didn't have a whole lot to do in this, except kind of stand around and be inspiring. But uh, some of her action scenes were good. And we actually got to see her fight with a sword and shield a lot, which she doesn't in the in Wonder Woman 1984. And it's really cool when she does that. Yeah, and I don't think she had a whole lot to do in this movie, but the times that she was given more of the chance to shine, she really did well. And she and uh, Ben Affleck had a decent rapport chemistry, I think. I will say the uh, amount of Alfred trying to make the chemistry between them like relational was not great, but their natural chemistry of just Batman and Wonder Woman was awesome. Yeah, I think part of that may have been a misguided 
shout out to this like sort of romantic relationship they had in the Justice League cartoon, but it also may have been really poorly written fatherly dialogue from Alfred. <laughs> um, another thing that I thought was good about this movie um, was the score. There were a lot of moments that both played tribute to the movies that had come before, putting in the individual um, superheroes scores and soundtracks, um, but also playing on those and adding different um, beats to that. There are two different composers that are credited for the movie, um, but it looks like Danny Elfman was the composer. But Junkie XL was also also worked on the soundtrack. But yeah, overall, I thought the movie was scored well. Every moment that needed music had it, and the music worked for the scenes and just had that you know epicness that it needed mm. behind a superhero film. Yeah, especially one that's uh, not only a team up movie but supposed to be you know the bringing together of three of the most iconic superhero characters in the history of superhero characters plus three others that are also well-regarded superheroes <laughs> is there anything amy adams when she was on screen and had dialogue was good but i mean it's amy adams so that's not a surprise jk simmons as commissioner gordon worked yeah it was an interesting casting choice but i think it was okay it was an interesting 45 seconds of time that he was on screen I could have used more. I could have. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Uh, he had a hard job following up Michael Caine as Alfred. Um, I think he was better in Batman versus Superman because this this movie seemed to have him just joking around trying to get Bruce a girlfriend. But um, when he wasn't doing that, he was good. The action sequences. Some of them. Some of the... the the terrorist attack in the beginning with Wonder Woman was good. I really liked that one. Yeah, I actually forgot about that one. Jason Momoa throwing a dude down on a table and ordering a whiskey. <laughs> um, the dynamic between the Flash and his father. Mm -hmm. The dynamic between Cyborg and his father. Lots of good dad dynamic. And then, of course, the mother dynamic. Between Steppenwolf and the boxes. Yeah. Well, in between Superman and Martha Kent. Martha's barely in this movie. <laughs> Why did you say that name? All right, well. I think we were reaching there at the end. <laughs> we, we tried our best to be positive. So now we're going to give our, our real takes on Justice League. Well, we've already said it's, it's not a good movie. And there's, there's controversy behind the scenes of why it wasn't a good movie. The original director, as many of you probably know, Zack Snyder, had to step away for personal reasons. Um, one of his daughters committed suicide during the production of this movie, and he stepped away to deal with the emotional trauma and be with his family, which is yep. completely understandable. Yes. Um, and we do, even if this is three years later, of course, wish him all the best and hope his family is recovering as much as one can. Yes. So it's been very unclear behind the scenes how much of what came to screen was his original vision um, or were scenes that he actually shot soon if not already by the time you listen to this the HBO Max will have released Zack Snyder's Justice League which is a four hour ish mini series that 
is supposedly bringing his original vision to life. It is the official journey to the center, center of cinema stance that we are skeptical about what that is going to be, if it will be good, and how much of that actually would have made it to theater had Zack Snyder uh, finished production. But we're going to watch it and give it a chance. So yeah. if Justice League is your thing or you were hoping for better, maybe you should check it out too. That being said, it seems like for the most part, the cast was more than willing to go back to shoot extra scenes for whatever this four hour movie slash miniseries is going to end up being. Most of them have vocally supported releasing a different cut of the movie with I think Jason Momoa starting public support and then pretty much every other cast member followed him. So it'll be interesting to see. The trailer that was released recently did not give me a whole lot of hope. I but. think no matter what, it will be better than what we got released theatrically. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that will do with the time element because this was a two-hour movie that felt like the first half of a movie or the first... It, it wasn't a full movie. No, there were large swaths of missing things that would have made it better. And, you know, again... This is all speculative um, based on Hollywood rumors, but originally Justice League was planned as a part one and part two movie event. Later on, Zack Snyder said that it was going to be a three-part film and then that the Justice League arc was going to take place over five films, culminating in like Apocalypse, the world Apocalypse winning and then that basically all of the heroes being on their backs and coming to fight and save the day, presumably. But this is all that we have, that we have seen. So it's all we can talk about, no matter what the best laid plans of Mice and Zack Snyder were. This is the product that was released. And it, it could have used another two hours, yeah. if I'm being honest. The the runtime for the for the Snyder cut, whatever whatever the quality is makes more sense than the two hours we got. Right. So I think let's just get into it. Um, we can talk about, I think my biggest problem with this movie is the time element, but also how they chose to spend it and where this falls in continuity of the shared universe. If, if, if it even is a right. shared universe anymore, because there's some evidence that it's not. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that this movie was rushed to come out before mm -hmm. Avengers Infinity War and to copy the shared universe of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, taking all of these well-known characters and putting them together in a team-up movie, which mm -hmm. worked out very well in the first Avengers film and going forward from there. Yep, and the CW has been doing this for years pretty right. successfully. I have watched most of those shows, although I did end up hate watching Arrow towards the end there. But Fla the Flash show, which we I will probably discuss a little bit later, uh, the Supergirl show and Legends of Tomorrow are all pretty good and they do yearly crossovers that are always a lot of fun and kind of function as like mini Justice League shows and they work. Right. And I think Tristan and I have talked about this before. I think the big reason that this one doesn't work is that a lot of these characters were never properly introduced before this movie. Yeah. Um, 
the Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman were all in Batman versus Superman in very limited doses just to basically get a taste to know that Justice League was coming. And Flash was in exactly one scene of Suicide Squad. Right. So I think it was just him arresting Captain Boomerang. (laughs) Besides, obviously, Man of Steel happened and Batman versus Superman happened. So Superman and Batman had main stories about them. And Wonder Woman was in a good chunk of Batman versus Superman and her own film before this came out. So, Which is arguably the best recent DC movie for this shared universe. It's definitely up there. So you had three of your main characters that were introduced in some capacity, and then the others were introduced in some capacity, but felt very rushed because the first half or so of this movie is introducing, is uniting the league is understanding who flash is and then having batman recruit him onto the team understanding who cyborg is having wonder woman recruit him to the team basically jason momoa is just being himself Mm -hmm. and throwing people on tables and drinking whiskey and polluting the ocean he does he throws throws a bottle into the ocean and i pers i took that personally because (laughs) you live there you should be an advocate for you know the ocean and the fish and you know all of the wildlife and you should know what dangers pollution has but and also he doesn't (sighs) join yeah until midway through a battle scene where he just kind of shows up. But then from that point on, he's just there. Yep. And he's, the only thing he's doing is uh, being a, like a bro. Yeah. There was a good scene between him and Wonder Woman, though, when he starts opening up to the group and being like very sentimental and serious. And then it, it gets nodded to the fact that Wonder Woman's using the lasso of truth on him. I thought that was fun. Yeah, I think it undercut the sentimentality of it a bit to, have it, them, to, to play it as a gag. It definitely did, but of all the forced quips and jokes that were in this movie, that's the one that I thought was least offensive. Yeah, uh, so do we want to go through uh, the, the new characters? Let's, do, let's run through all the characters. We'll go top to bottom okay. in IMDb. Um, so we'll start with Ben Affleck's Batman, which are, he's great. He's great. I will say he's very good as Batman. He's, he's Bruce, like as Bruce Wayne, I think he's fine. I think I he was think better he, as Bruce in Batman versus Superman. He was I agree with that. Um, it's not that he's bad because Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck is a very talented actor. And I think what he struggles with in this one is more of a script issue. Mm-hmm. than a performance issue and it seems like even when he's playing bruce wayne it seems to be more he's playing batman without the cowl than he is playing bruce wayne which uh is depending on your view of batman and the batman mythos would actually be the correct way to do that that's true so maybe so, i'm wrong maybe he is the best bruce wayne i think he is definitely the standout performance. 
in this movie by like a mile. And um, I'm looking forward to him being in the Flash movie, no matter how little there is of him, because I think he kind of got the short end of the stick there with the the Matt Reeves Batman. Although yeah. I, to put to be fair and put on record, I am excited for Robert Pattinson's take on Batman. That looks like it's going to be really good. We shall see. Um, next on the list is. Mr. Stiff Upper Lip himself, Henry Cavill, uh, who plays Superman in about, what, 15 minutes of the movie? Yeah, in about 10 of those, he's got a weird digitally demustached lip. Yeah, well, I believe it's someone else's mouth that they ended up, like, filming over, right? I don't know. I just know it's bad. It's like the baby in twilight levels of bad and this movie is 10 years after that so there's no excuse yeah so i don't know i i have personal reasons not to like superman just because i think he's overpowered and doesn't really have good character development in most things that he's in i I thought there was a slight interesting take on this when after he gets revived he kind of is not himself Mm-hmm. and doesn't know who the other people are in the Justice League and is kind of against them. He's like against them, but not... He's still okay. kind of pulling his punches. It was like a self-defense yeah. thing where it would make sense that he, if he knows who he is, he would pull his punches so he doesn't kill anyone. I think the more times I see Henry Cavill as Superman, the more I wish he had more to do with the character because he's a he's a talented actor and I think he could do something interesting with it it's just with the the Superman and I I am not exactly a fan of Superman but I do like some stories and runs of the comics revolving around him and that's usually the ones I gravitate towards are the ones where he's Clark more than half the time because I think Clark Ken is the more interesting part of that dynamic oh yeah when I think if you know i think henry cavill would do very well in a superman story that focuses more on the humanity of superman Mm -hmm. both in the clark kent form but also just the human problems of the character and that also has the superhero battle sides to it yeah when you you have a when you have a set runtime i think that's going to be hard to navigate for any filmmaker or editing team deciding when to say we can't have this much. Um, but if you want that story, the CW just started airing a story about him and Lois having a kid, which if it's based on the most recent run in Superman written by Brian Michael Bendis has my recommendation because that run of Superman's really good. All right. Next on the list of cast, I'm going to lump two together here because Amy Adams is the next one that is credited. Um, I'm going to lump her as Lois Lane and Diane Lane as Martha Kent together because most of their scenes were shared together. Um, And they were both just kind of there as plot description of reminding you of what happened in Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. And then to humanize Superman after he's revived. I do like that they put them together and there was at least a scene or two focused on them dealing with the grief of losing Clark, which 
I don't know if it was necessary for the story, but was appreciated. Yeah, there were they were definitely good moments. I think in a movie that's two hours long and doesn't exactly understand pacing, the scenes kind of broke into the story a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think they were good scenes that should be used somewhere. I just don't know if this is this was the right avenue for it. Yeah, if that is something that gets like 15 minutes in the upcoming release of Zack Snyder's Justice League, that is a point on the positive side of that, I think, because both actresses did a great job in their interactions. They have a lot of good chemistry and they, you know, they just talk about stuff like what was Clark like? And it's just nice to hear people talk about the reporter, not the superhero. All right, next we have Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Good as always. Nothing, yeah, I think, nothing new here. <laughs> I think we've hit on all the the positives of the character and the negatives that she wasn't given a whole lot to do in this movie, but I think that will definitely be something that's expanded mm-hmm. upon in the four-hour cut is I would assume that they're going to give her more to do. I would hope so, since she's like one of the two marketable things the series has. It's true. All right, we have Ezra Miller doing his best Peter Parker impression as The Flash. I can't tell if the issues I have with The Flash in this are Ezra Miller's fault or the way he was written and directed. I'm leaning towards the latter. I believe it is the latter because a lot of his scenes, he was used more as quippy comic relief, being like, I'm a socially awkward teenager and I don't have any friends. And why am I on this team? So I'm going to make dumb jokes. And uh, that is probably a credit to someone we will discuss later. Yeah. He's doing his best. And, you know, God bless him for that because he's trying. And um, his, the scenes he has with his dad are, are really good. Mm-hmm. I think um, the the first one is a little heavy-handed. Yeah, it drags. But it too, I but. think once you get towards once it goes on and you see the relationship really build through those scenes, it does get better. Yeah. The the issue I had mostly with the, his dynamic in the team is that he has no one-on-one scenes with anyone besides Batman and Cyborg. And Batman just kind of is just like, ugh, I don't want to deal with him. And the scene he has with Cyborg is one of the worst scenes in the entire film where they're digging up Clark's grave. Yeah. I making weird small talk. I will say he had a very, he had two very good moments with Superman though. He did, yeah. Um, with saving the family. And, it, you know, that was one of the comic bits, but I think it worked out well of Flash is pushing this car full of family to freedom. And then he, like, looks to the side and Superman is, like, pushing an entire, like, hospital or yeah. hotel or something. And, you know, it's just the, you know, a nice little joke about, you know, Flash is doing his best and there's just Superman flying by doing better. And then the the mid-credits teaser is setting up the the race between Superman and Flash, which has happened now I think three times in the comics. And there's still no clear winner. 
yeah every time that the winner changes basically just to keep people from keep people to buy the comics but i think it also depends on which flash you're talking about because if we want to get real mm -hmm. technical i'm pretty sure if it was wally west in the comics he'd be faster for a lot of reasons that are really deep lore broken and disgusting if so but this is this is a uh, barry allen and I, another issue that I had, and I think a lot of people had going into this, is we already have a Barry Allen, and uh, he's really good at it. Uh, that would be uh, Grant Gustin from the CW Flash show. And he's, a, he's really good in the role, and it, part of it just adds confusion. And, and as I saw recently, they just cast a movie version of Supergirl, who is not the person playing Supergirl in the show, and DC's a mess sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to give Ezra Miller's Flash another shot in his own movie, would be my verdict on him. Yeah. All right. We have Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman. I think this is really an instance where you they didn't know how to use this character and they ended up just making him a bro, like a surfer guy. I think one of the most infamous moments from this movie is when he gets caught and he just goes, my man. It was in all the trailers. And then he was thrown into the, it, into the battle back on the ground. But it, First of all, I think before Jason Momoa was cast as Aquaman, Aquaman was always the butt of the jokes for the Justice League. Mm -hmm. Because what is this guy whose powers are to swim fast and talk to fish going to do in battles with superheroes like Superman and Wonder Woman? And I think the casting of Jason Momoa changed that narrative, but I don't think in this movie they knew what to do with him so for a lot of the movie he was sidelined yeah because he didn't have reason to join the league so when bruce wayne tries to recruit him he outs batman's secret identity to a large group of people and then there's no repercussions for that which i'm assuming the, the thought process was like oh well we're in like eastern europe or some or wherever Aquaman supposed to be not America northern yeah colony thing it was and then but it's like okay people obviously understood because they were laughing at these jokes and they probably all have smartphones so wouldn't they say something but but yeah I think so he leaves for a while and then the mother box is taken from Atlantis and then that kind of puts him on this path of like I guess I should be a hero and stop the world from becoming a flaming bug. It's very unclear. I know, what the, yeah. I know what it's supposed to do. Right. But yeah. So, and then again, when you have someone like this, whose powers are more aquatic based, he doesn't do a whole lot throughout the movie because what's he going to do? But I think once he got his own movie the following year, he was really, allowed to be let loose and have fun in the role while having some good action scenes mm -hmm. even though aquaman the movie is a mess it's, it's fun 
it's like five movies at the same time and you're tired after you watch it, but it's fun. Yeah. I think maybe this is part of the reason they cast Jason Momoa besides that, you know, it was a big name after Game of Thrones. They were worried about Aquaman being in a movie and the general reception of Aquaman being he talks to fish. I know anybody who's read the comics knows Aquaman's actually pretty cool. If you're looking for something to read, go read the new 52 Aquaman. It's really good. And he also has more to do because in this he's, I don't know. Is, is he the, is he the sexy lamp of this movie? He might be. For, for those who don't know, the, the sexy lamp rule is if you could replace a character with a sexy lamp and they do the exact same thing, they don't need to be in the movie. And I, I think Jason Momoa is that lamp in this movie. I don't know. A lamp couldn't say, my man. <laughs> you tape, tape a recorder to it. <laughs> He's a lot better in Aquaman. And I think will continue to be a lot better in his own franchise. Assuming that franchise continues. I think Aquaman 2 is confirmed. Okay. DC's a mess. Who knows? We can cut that because people might be mad that I said that. <laughs> no, we'll leave it in. Okay, that's fine. We'll leave it in for the controversy. There's no comments on Spotify. All right. And then the last character in the league is played by Ray Fisher, and it is Victor Stone, also known as Cyborg, who's normally part of the Teen Titans. Yep. Or the Doom Patrol, apparently, but he's, we can get into that. In the New 52 comics, though, is when he he does join the Justice League mm-hmm. for a bit. And, I, you know, that's what this draws from. I, I think Ray Fisher does a good job. Yeah, he, I, he doesn't have a lot to do. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going around if you really want to get into that about why that is. He's, he does his utmost in this role. And he's good. Yeah, I think he's very convincing as this character who was a high school quarterback, really smart, got into an accident that killed his mom and basically put him on the brink of death. And then his dad, who was a scientist, resurrected him using the power of the mother boxes and turned him into a cyborg half man, half machine. Throughout the movie, he's unlocking the different powers that are associated with his new form, which is interesting. Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch him continue to grow and get better to unlock the computer side of him. I think both of us were just kind of questioning why Cyborg was included in this team up. Yeah, we. Um, he seems to... In, in the New 52 run and in this have replaced uh, Jean Jean's Martian Manhunter, who I think both of us uh, would have preferred. Yes. Because if you don't know who Martian Manhunter is, he's awesome. And he doesn't get a lot of representation outside of the cartoon. He was in Supergirl, the show, for a little while. And he is apparently in the Zack Snyder's Justice League in some capacity, but he was cut completely for the theatrical release. Yeah. And I think like, if you look at it from a logical perspective, I think a lot of the heroes in this movie are more grounded or at least recognizable so that, Oh, you know who Superman is. So you know what his powers are. No big deal. So I think having a character like cyborg, that's 
a lot easier to explain the concept behind in a short amount of time is probably why they wanted to avoid someone like Martian Manhunter or retread old ground with Green Lantern, even though there was a nod to Green Lantern in this movie. Yeah, which I appreciated. I actually liked that a lot. I think that was Um, supposed to be like the original Green Lantern. Yes. Like not Hal Jordan, like the one before that. Or there was uh, some aliens to them. But it was was cool. Cool to see. It was somebody from the Green Lantern Corps who was slain by Steppenwolf. And you see the ring like leaving to choose the next carrier. Which which was cool. Yeah, I liked that. Um, So yeah, I think somebody that has an easier concept to swallow is why they chose Cyborg. The inclusion was weird. Yeah. He felt out of place um, and they made him overly dark. Yeah. Like he's usually more of a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, at least from the Teen Titans cartoon, which might be another reason why they decided to go with him as opposed to Martian Manhunter. But his, his look is so bad. The way he, he looks like halfway to what his usual, just like the plate for his chest is he's far more robotic than I think any other version of him has been. Mm -hmm. And we can talk later about the effects, but he, you just see half of Ray Fisher's face. And I feel so bad for the guy because he's trying to act and it's, it's getting lost in the effects. Yeah. And this is most likely Ray Fisher's last turn as cyborg. I don't believe he's confirmed Um, for anything else. I think he's in, he's in the the Snyder cut, right? Um, but but he was removed for what appears to now be saying too much. Yeah. So this is probably beyond the Snyder cut. Um, the last we'll see of Ray Fisher as Cyborg, and I think I think we will remember him fondly for it, even mm-hmm. if we don't necessarily think his character should have been included i think he did well enough to earn our respect in that yeah and i i do hope that going forward he has a chance to do more work in hollywood because if if he doesn't it'll be a waste of some good potential there because i think he is very talented even if i do prefer i'm gonna have to look him up here the actor in Doom Patrol. What's his name? Jovian Wade. If you haven't watched Doom Patrol, give it a watch. It's weird, but um, really fun, which a lot of the DC properties that come out on the big screen are not. All right, let's transition to the plot of this movie, whatever the plot may be, because then we can talk about the villain, Steppenwolf, who's on a quest to unify mother the mother boxes um that he continually just refers to as mother and it starts it's it's weird and then it kind of just becomes hilarious it's very oedipal yeah and he the the actor who's playing him doesn't help with it at all the way he's constantly saying mother is beyond reverent it's weird yeah. So, yep. It is his job to unite the three rings of power. I mean, the three mother boxes from the the one that was left to the Amazons, the one to the Atlanteans, and the one to the 
realms of the the armies of the humans the tribes of men the tribes of men that's and what they, it was they use that phrase the tribes of men which I, every time they say it i feel like tolkien gets sad there are so many overt tolkien references when they're describe when they're describing the origins of the mother boxes and the histories behind them to the point where they have one of the kings of man that is dressed up almost exactly like Denethor. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. You think there'd be better mo- motion capture in a movie that's really trying to rip off Lord of the Rings. And then they're also trying to sow some seeds of like elf dwarf hatred between the Atlanteans and the Amazons but it isn't really, I I was expecting something between like Aquaman and Wonder Woman of them not liking each other, but it didn't, nothing really came from that. Wonder Woman kind of rolls her eyes at him once. Yeah. And I think he makes an offhanded comment of like, I have to work with an Amazon or something. And then he sits on the lasso of truth and calls her hot. And yeah. He he funny. So yeah. Um, And to fight, Steppenwolf and stop him from collecting all of Mother. Batman decides he's gonna find Diana, who he knew for 15 minutes, and these people he's never met, and fight him, and then also bring back Superman, whether or not Superman would have wanted it. I will say, one of the, again, another really good aspect of Ben Affleck's Batman character in this is I liked his kind of understanding of the world around him knowing that superman was this beacon of hope and that was more needed in this time than he was Mm -hmm. which is a pretty profound take for batman yeah and i think that's developing the character arc from batman v superman and that that is something i think bruce in the comics would acknowledge is mm-hmm. that they're definitely functioning on different ends of heroics. And this is honestly, in that, on that note, this is the first time the DCEU Superman has felt hopeful at all, even if that it wasn't well executed with Henry Cavill and any scene Superman was in, but the way the world mourns his loss seems very real. But the plot gets yeah. very lost. And I think we made reference earlier where this definitely feels like the the first half of a two-part movie or it, it it's really the build-up. You assemble the League, you the mother boxes are assembled, and then, so yeah, Superman and Cyborg took the mother boxes apart and separated them, and yeah, then... Steppenwolf was defeated. Cyborg said booyah, even though the movie did not deserve a cyborg booyah. It did not. Steppenwolf like gets thrown into a boom tube that I'm assuming goes back to Apocalypse because that was supposed to be what this was doing. Yeah, it was supposed to be setting up Apocalypse and the new gods, including Darkseid, which who will be in mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League. And actually from the stuff we've seen in the trailers looks really cool. Yeah. And is great because Darkseid is one of DC's 
biggest villains and most mm-hmm. well-known villains. So having him take a big theatrical turn, well, I guess it won't be theatrical, but a big movie turn, there's yeah. potential there. And yeah. if Zack Snyder's Justice League is set up where what we've seen in these first two hours is the the setup and then the next two hours are kind of the payoff of that and the league actually unites against a bigger foe and there are more action sequences of them learning how to use their powers with one another maybe it won't be that bad yeah if it, if this ends if the snyder cut ends up being like a truncated what we would have gotten if dc had planned this better then it could be okay but as the theatrical release goes it feels like it's somehow both not enough movie and just too much yeah I, I think it all comes down to the pacing and the aspects of the movie that they chose to focus on. Because Kristen and I have talked about this. There's like 10 minutes of this movie that's spent humanizing this vaguely European family that I guess is, I don't know, that setting up where Steppenwolf is putting the mother boxes outside of their home and the parademons are flying around and it's this little girl and her family, but it just like every time something happens in the movie, it just cuts back to that. Yeah. And it's just like this family. And then that's the family that flash saves in the truck. But you know, one scene of like showing that there there's humans there that they're saving. Okay. And maybe I'm just so used to Marvel fan service that I'm like, Oh, this this little girl is going to become someone or do something, but she doesn't. And it just, it reminds me a lot of the last Jedi with the stable kids that yeah. they, they show so often that you're like, Oh, this is going to have some payoff somewhere down the road. And then it just doesn't. Yeah. But that, I mean, even in the last Jedi, we had the payoff of one of the stable kids could use the force. Right. At and, the end of the movie. Yeah, no, that was also showing. I don't want to give hate to the last Jedi because I like it and too many people give it too much hate. I also, um, I think, you know, take for today, <laughs> ooh, um, you know, the stable kids are showing that the rebellion is more than just the important people that you see all the time. It's inspiring yeah. the little guy to rise up against their own systems of oppression and that anyone can be a hero in their own story. But this one, there's just no payoff at all for this little girl who's in a house with her family. No, the payoff is Flash not knowing any Russian words. So he says, Dostoevsky, and runs away. (laughs) Yeah. In that voice. Did we talk about how Flash can't run? We haven't. Okay, we can talk about that now, I guess. He can't run. He trips a lot. He runs like a goober. (laughs) It really does. The running effects in the CW show are better somehow. I do like that they include the electricity that's like the power that's generated from him. Mm -hmm. It's a better, it's a way to make him actually flash and set apart from other speedsters from other universes. Right. But also the, a specific other speedster in another universe has a one scene that is better at showing what you can do quickly than every single scene that flashes in in this movie yeah but i don't know if any speedster will ever top that scene 
no, the the uh, the time in a bottle scene from Days of Future Past is still the best. Although I did really like the scene in this where Batman goes to recruit Flash and Barry isn't really having it. So Bruce just throws a batarang at him and you get this moment where everything slows down and Barry just kind of catches it after staring at it for a second. That was cool. I liked that scene a lot. I just think it was ruined by the fact that it was in all the trailers. Yeah. That's a scene that I think would have been a really fun surprise. But when you're using it as your marketing and that's one of your best scenes in the whole movie, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. But yeah, we should, we, I, we trailed off from talking about the plot because we covered it. Yeah, I mean, the plot is, there's not a whole lot of it. Cyborg's United. trying to figure out if he's a human, and they don't really give a yay or nay on that. <laughs> he just kind of is. A lot of the stuff that was set up in the beginning of the movie ends up being like a setup for a really bad joke in the last like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Justice League. We're dancing around something really big here. <laughs> Do we talk about it? Yeah. I guess we should cover it and then we can talk All right. about Well, this is the section of the show that we're going to call the Christopher Plummer Corner. Mm-hmm. Because anytime a movie or TV show has someone that was involved in any capacity that has since been revealed as problematic in a variety of different ways, um, it is our official stance that we are going to instead talk about Christopher Plummer because he famously subbed in for a very problematic actor in the movie All the Money in the World and got Oscar nominated for it. I think he won, didn't he? I don't believe he won. Either way. Um, We do, while we do this, we do need to qualify with, we do not support the person that we are not going to talk about at length in any capacity. Um, if you don't follow the news, that person was the person who was brought in to edit the script and direct some scenes after Zack Snyder was forced to leave due to family tragedy. And that person is Joss Whedon. We can cover some of the changes more in depth, but also he's a jerk and bad. And we don't want to talk about him a lot. So instead, Christopher Plummer. He uh, was in Knives Out, and it was great. He was the oldest um, actor to be both nominated and win an Academy Award. He was nominated for, again, All the Money in the World. And he won in 2010 for the film Beginners. Where... um, I that. I just discovered this a few nights ago. He was he plays an elderly father to Ewan McGregor's character who has terminal cancer and reveals that he's in the LGBTQ community after yeah. spending a life as, you know, a straight father. Hmm. I've not seen it. It's has pretty good reviews and ratings and did win at least one Academy Award. And uh, Christopher Plummer also won a Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical for the musical Serrano, based on a Spanish play of the same name. 
So there we go. There are some nice, happy facts about Christopher Plummer. Um, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Passed away not too long ago. At the age of 91. So that was after a good life of giving us many fantastic performances. Many of which we still need to check out. So yeah. maybe a future episode dedicated to at least one of Christopher Plummer's films. And there are a lot of them. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, I think we need to, and I will die on this hill, talk about how the script feels like it's for a different movie. (laughs) There are too many jokes in this movie. And I know that a lot of people who know us will say, but Tristan and Ben, you like Marvel movies. And there are too many jokes in there. And I would argue, yeah, but those jokes are good. Yeah, this movie was definitely trying to overcorrect the DC formula that was dark and gritty, which worked mostly for DC. Like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies worked very well. And... Mm -hmm. Batman versus Superman as time passes. I have softened a lot on my opinion on it, and I think it's more than okay. Right. And Man of Steel even had a darker and grittier tone, and it's probably the best version of Superman that we're going to get for a long time, at least. Yeah, at least on the big screen. The, the Supergirl version is okay. But when the director change happened for this movie, it was... Obviously, they chose someone who had started, you know, with or had done a lot of work with Marvel Mm -hmm. and had led to their two big crossover films to date, The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. And had a track record for getting good performances out of big casts with um, some of the television. Um, So they tried to take some of that formula and add his signature quippiness to the script, which did not work because most of the jokes felt flat and some of them were just so horrendous that like there was one notable one where Flash falls onto Diana and Gal Gadot refused to film it, which she should have. It was a very bad scene um but they couldn't resist having you know women have breast joke in the movie so it's what you reduce wonder woman to yeah and then even like a lot of the movie was just talking about how diana was hot or yeah batman needs to have a girlfriend and the only girl he knows is wonder woman apparently yeah which is should be offensive to anyone who likes Batman. And also we know he knows Harley. He was in Suicide Squad. Also at one point, um, I think it was Flash asked Batman what his powers were and he just said, I'm rich. Yeah. Which I'm pretty no. sure is just a direct quote from the Lego Batman movie. Yeah, I think so. Or the Lego movie. One of the two. Which both films have a better... Are, are great so just go watch those i think 
every character suffered for the rewrites and the director change, but I think Flash and Cyborg were the ones who bore the brunt of it. Cyborg for having nothing, basically, in the end product. He was just kind of there. And Flash just, he became Peter Parker, but worse, in like a borderline, like a borderline offensive representation of somebody on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Because there's like more than one hint to that Barry is on the spectrum, but like not enough, not in a respectful way. Yeah. And that, that feeling of just, this is not a good script for the movie we were given just kind of permeates almost every scene. There are a few scenes that are good. Like we mentioned the, uh, the scene between Lois and Martha is good um barry and his dad are pretty overall good uh victor and his dad are good batman and flash Mm -hmm. their interactions are usually pretty good diana and bruce by themselves Mm -hmm. when no one else is in the room or around are pretty good but for some reason whenever there's more than two characters on screen it just falls apart but you know hopefully in a few weeks especially if you like Justice League and the DC characters that a lot of these problems will be at least somewhat fixed through Mm -hmm. the extended slash directors slash new cut of the film slash new film entirely slash who knows anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Justice League. Justice League. Because what? It was like reshot again. See, that's one of the things. There's so much controversy there because people have said that that Zack Snyder only reshot like five minutes for the HBO series. And it's probably the Jared Leto stuff. Yeah. But also with introducing at least two new characters that weren't in the theatrical cut in Jared Leto's Joker and Martian Manhunter and dark side so it's three and dark side and plus. all of the new gods with yeah which hopefully please granny goodness i just she's an absurd character and it's great she's an evil grandma but yeah so it's who knows at this point how much of that was already shot or if they didn't have to shoot full scenes because a lot of it's going to be done in CG or who knows. Um, But it's definitely going to be much more movie than this was. Yeah. Cause this, like we've said, this feels like half a movie and it somehow manages to feel like a half a movie the whole time. Yeah. But is also too much of half a movie most of the time. Yeah. Okay. Should we talk about the effects? I think we should talk about the effects. Let's talk about the effects. Everything is orange. That's just the final battle. <laughs> the final battle is orange. And we don't know why. But I don't know how a movie that's only three years old looks this bad from a yeah. major studio. Like we mentioned before, Cyborg looks awful. And that was like sort of plot reasons, but they never weighed into it. The Parademons, their design is weird. It yeah, looks like, like when you actually get close up on one of them, it's not that bad. 
like the scene with Batman at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. the effect isn't terrible, but when there are more than one on screen at the same time, it's awful. Um, Steppenwolf just looks weird, but also the, the Snyder cut is stills that I've seen don't look much better. He just looks spikier. Yeah, they basically took all of the unrendered parts of Steppenwolf and were just like, let's just put like metal spikes on it to hide the fact that the effect was bad in the first place. And he has a weird goatee for no reason. Yeah. I guess within effects, we can talk about costume. The Amazon costumes are bad. Yeah, the, the whole like, Amazon scene was not yeah. great. But they're they're bad in the like early 2000s fantasy video game female character armor bad like there's there's midriff for some reason um, <laughs> most of them and we know it can be better because it was better in wonder woman it was better in wonder woman 1984 for that scene that didn't need to be in the movie for that way too long scene just the mother boxes look weird the water effects look really weird oh mara's hair is still bad in aquaman but like the one scene she's in in this it doesn't even look like amber heard it looks like her stunt double which some people would really appreciate but like it's just bad cyborg flying they never decide how many like jets he has what they were trying to do with aquaman's eyes that luckily they abandoned after this movie. Oh yeah. He's got weird pupils. Yeah. They like gave him, I don't know if they tried to, if they gave him like weirdly colored contacts or if that was a digital effect, but his eyes are never like spaced properly. Yeah. Or like in focus. And then they try to make them this unnatural shade of blue. And in one scene, he has two different colored eyes, which I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, it's just Barry Allen running. I, I, maybe that was a direction thing, but Ezra Miller runs really floppily. Which is not what you would expect from The Flash. Yeah, it's like he's, he's good at running. But the, but he's not in this movie. All the slow-mo. I know that's his thing Zack Snyder likes, and it only works half the time in his okay movies. I don't know where it fell apart, though, because, like, the the opening battle, you know, in the, the last alliance of men and elves, it was fine. The Green Lantern was there. Yeah. And the effects were good. This This movie is baffling. Yeah, it it really is an enigma of giving you so much potential of what could be a good movie and then just completely botching it. In the weirdest ways. Yeah. This is like if you got a bunch of talented people and made them make a bad movie. And it's not bad enough that it's like enjoyable in any, like, it. I mean, there are enjoyable parts, but it's not so bad that it becomes good. It's just that point where it's so mad that it's bad. Yeah. Until it's just bad. Yeah. Like, 
the we're gonna lay on the floor and laugh after the mother boxes are separated and tell like three bad jokes in a row. I did the I did like the Wonder Woman I work with children line. That was fun. That was a good one. <laughs> that was. And Gal Gadot delivered that really well. Um, also, how have we gotten this far without referring to them as the Martha boxes? Has anyone ever done that? I don't know, but if not, we claim it. Martha right boxes. Why did you say that name? Uh, well, I think we've we been to, ranting about Justice League for a while. I think we need to stop. Um, it is the official stance of this podcast that anytime we are neutral to negative about a movie, we would like you to leave on a positive note. Um, so we are going to give you a couple suggestions of better movies um, mm-hmm. that we've watched over the past few weeks um, that we think other people may have missed and could enjoy instead. So Tristan, did you watch anything good recently? Yes, and I'm sorry if this is yours. Um, this week I did watch uh, the new HBO movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, um, we we both watched this and it is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, there are multiple Academy Award worthy performances in this from Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, who this podcast officially says needs more work. Give all the work to Lakeith. But it is a, an amazing film about the Black Panthers in Chicago. Um, just a heads up, you will be upset by the end of this movie because it is based on a true story. And how things pan out is uh, just bad. It's not good. Our history is horrible. But the movie is incredible, um, timely. The performances are phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Just be ready to be upset. Yeah, I think going into the movie, I didn't know a whole lot what it was about, except for the Black Panther movement, um, set around the same time as The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was a movie that came out last year, which was also really good, directed by Aaron Sorkin. And yeah, there was a lot that I was not expecting from this movie, and it hit a lot of beats and narrative moments that were very powerful, um, both given the historical context and the current political climate. Um, It's definitely a movie that you should seek out if you haven't seen it, and if it's still available on HBO Max by the time this episode comes out. I'm sure it will be available again, even if it's not on HBO Max in some capacity. Because it's probably going to get some Academy attention, would be my guess. So Ben, did you watch anything recently that you'd like to recommend besides that? I've watched so many good movies lately. Um, I will say today I watched... Leon the Professional, a Luc Besson movie from, I believe, 1994. Um, And I was surprised at how good this movie was. Um, The plot, general plot, is a hitman basically takes under his wing a young girl who is played by Natalie Portman. And I believe she's like 10 or 11 in this role. Um, And she kind of becomes his protege after her family is 
killed. And the action sequences in this movie are so stylized and brilliant. It, yeah, it, the action was phenomenal. And the relationship between Matilda, who's played by Natalie Portman, and Leon, um, who's played by Jean Renault, is wonderful. Um, it's a great action movie, but it also has that great father figure daughter relationship throughout. Um, and yeah, it's, there are a lot of good moments and I don't want to give anything away, but you definitely watch it for the action and stay for the, the heartfelt story underneath. So, um, we hope that hearing about two good movies makes up for us essentially trashing one for a long time and um we as ever remain intrigued and sort of optimistic about the upcoming snyder cut of this movie conflicted conflicted uh it it can only get better we hope we hope at least it will feel like one person's vision at the end of the day, unlike this, which just kind of feels like a Frankenstein monstrosity of the movie. All right. Thank you for joining us on our journey to the center of Justice League. Ugh, Ugh is right, Tristan. Um, please join us next week for a movie that is a lot more fun and a lot more spooky. Mm, spooky. That is your little tease. We hope to, you join us then where we continue our journey to the center of cinema.